Hello and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast episode 32. Um, this week we're going to be talking about Thor a little bit, but before we get into that, I'd like to welcome my guest, Lor. Lor, how are you? Doing very well, sir. Okay, good to hear. And I also wanted to mention if anyone wanted to check out the website, it can be found at www.hugenhoff.org. <laughs> Excuse me. And if you wanted to leave feedback, I very highly encourage that. And you can do that at Hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. That website can be found on the um I mean that email address can be found on the website along with some other email addresses. And any email address you find on the website, it comes to me. It's just kind of how I organize things a little bit. Now, speaking of feedback, I actually got feedback, which I was um very happy about. And I just want to quickly say, if you send me feedback before I use it on the show, I ask your permission and I ask if I can use your name. So I've checked with this guy. In episode 31, I had mentioned some of the things I miss about Christmas, some of the Christmas traditions that I miss now that we celebrate Yule, is that I really like choral music because I think a lot of the really religious choral music is um, pretty. So I had mentioned that, and I had a Jim Bustleup, I hope I got his last name right, uh, mention that if you're interested, you might check out a Unitarian Universalist church, because many of those have uh, good music programs, and they've got a website he gave of uua.org, and I will try to remember to put that in the show notes. And I think that's actually a really good idea, because the Universalist Unitarians um, are sort of religiously open in a, in a lot of ways, but if they've got uh, a, a music program, then they might be doing like choral works and other things, and, and the songs wouldn't be all about like Jesus and God and, and, and all of that, so as an also true person, you could live you could listen to them without feeling a little bit um, blasphemous so if anybody else really misses the choral musics music around the holiday seasons the universalist unitarian churches if they have a good music program which apparently they do might have some stuff that you can listen to so i thought that was a really nice piece of feedback and i wanted to thank jim for that and sort of pass it on to our listeners um and Lord, you weren't there for that show but um what what is the thing you mentioned uh something that's kind of like your christmas music or yuletide music well when i want to get in the mood i just pick out my album called secret of the runes by therian which i find very yuletide for some reason it's just it it it, it sounds very nice and it a lot of vocals, a lot of... It, it might be a little heavy compared to regular Christmas music, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's what I listen to, and I think you're the one that introduced it to me, and I've been listening to it every Yule season since. Yeah, it is um, an album that, that I like, Secret of the Runes, and it's got very Austro-True themes, and it's very... Uh, it's got the vocals and the choral part, which makes it sound a little bit like Yuletide music. So I definitely think that's a good suggestion. It doesn't have the nice calm stuff that you normally get with Christmas music, but that is another option. 
Um, so, you know, the more options for people to have, the better it is. So that's another thing which I thought was um, a neat one. And any music can sort of become your Yuletide tradition as long as you listen to it every every Yule. I mean, my my Yuletide movie is Halloween or Nightmare Before Halloween or Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> I got it eventually. That's probably not a classic Christmas movie, so to speak, but I watch it nearly every Yule, so that's sort of become a tradition over the years, too. So, yeah. And I generally watch Groundhog Day, <laughs> and also on Groundhog Day, because apparently right. I love that movie. Yeah, and and it's become like your Yule tradition, even though it's not a classic Yuletide movie, it can still be a Yule tradition as long as you do it every Yule. Yes. Can I mention something? Yeah. So, not being specific here, I didn't get anything, but if you hear any feedback on my side, like a sound of inhaling and stuff, it's because I have an e-cigarette. Just just putting that out there. Oh, yeah, because we, we did get some feedback mentioning that. Because it was a couple shows ago, I think your sound setting was set up a little different, and it was a little bit loud. But Lore has fixed everything, so I don't think we'll hear anything, which is nice. But, yes, it's an e-cigarette. I think I mentioned that last show, too. But I don't okay. remember, because my memory's terrible. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> advocate the use of... Uh, other substances yeah no that's very true yeah so for clarification it is an e-cigarette and it is uh it's just an e-cigarette all right um let's go ahead and jump into this topic and sort of see where it takes us we're gonna start by talking about thor a little bit and as our conversations normally do normally go it may get into something completely unrelated but let's just see how this works okay so if anyone is listening to the Huguenot podcast it's probably because you are already also true or you're interested in also true or maybe you're just interested in the lore I either three of those things imply that you probably already know who Thor is so I don't feel like I have to explain him and in great detail, so I'm just going to go over some basics really quick before getting to a certain point that I want to get to. Uh, Thor is a god. Uh, He's got his hammer Mjolnir, which he kills ice giants with. Um, He's a god of hard work. He's a god of strength. Uh, he's, He's a warrior god. Not necessarily a god of war like Odin is a god of war, whereas Odin um has a lot more to do with the aspects of war of the kingly aspects of war perhaps you know planning the war and executing the war and the the general side of things as in he would be um the god yes general as in commander thank you um or even even king that's really where odin sits more and the strategic side of it and then you've got Tyr, who I think is a god of who is a god of war, and he stands more on the soldier or knight side of it. I mean, there weren't knights, but more on the soldier side of it. He's got the sword. He is one of the professional soldiers, so to speak, who might go out there and fight in the war. Thor is more on the side of if he were in the war at all in the old days. 
back when I was a wee lad, no, I'm sorry, in the old days, what would happen is these kings would want to start a war, and they might have a, a, a small elite force of their own, but to really successfully start the war, they'd go to the bonders, and the bonders are just the landholders, and ask them to join. And the bonders would either agree or disagree. They would have to, the king would have to present a case for why this was better for the bonders or for the land in general or whatever, and convince the bonders to fight with them. And then the bonders, who were just regular people who owned land, so regular old landowners who probably had a farm and other concerns, if they thought that, you know, the king made a good point, then they'd fight for them and probably their sons and other people of the household may also fight. Um, those people are more the Thor-type people in battle, I think. And I think Thor also represents the idea of um, protecting yourself, protecting your house through strength from, you know, somebody who's trying to hurt you, if that's a criminal or, or whatever it might be. Because when you think of Thor, symbolically, you know, he's got this, this hammer, and we all know the story of where the hammer came from, uh, made by the dwarves. But if you think about what a hammer is, it is something that is unique in the sense that it can be used as a weapon, as which is how Thor uses it, but it can also be used as a tool. You can make things with hammers. So you can sort of see the idea of a Thor's men being the type who someone would attack them and they pick up the first thing that could work as a weapon they saw, which might be their hammer that they were working with, and then, you know, protect their farm or whatever. So when you have the idea of war, conflict, strength, all of those things, there are different aspects to it. And Thor is more that normal guy, if you will, aspect to war, whereas Tyr is more the professional soldier and Odin is more the king or the one who is doing the planning. So, Lord, you may disagree. I don't know if you do or not. Does that make sense or does something need more clarification? No, I think he's he's the god of the people more than any of the other ones. I mean, his mother is uh wow, Earth. I forgot the yeah. her, her her name. Um, Dang. Yord is it? I don't know. These well. are these are things that we really should know, but we don't. <laughs> um I think it's Yord, isn't it? Uh yes, Yord. Okay. All right. I'm terrible with names. And the uh and I shouldn't be. That's a failing on my part. But yeah, so it's Yord. And and yeah, she was um, very much connected to the Earth, a, a goddess of the Earth to a large extent. I mean, I think she was technically a giant, but... She was. We've, we've talked a lot about, in the path, I think, giants are not always bad, which is sometimes hard for me to understand and sometimes hard for people to understand because... So many times we try to make it a simple um, universalist statement. If you were Christian, a demon is always bad. You never have good demons. So it's a little easier. But with us, the giants are not always bad. Like, Yord is not necessarily bad. Um, some well, I mean, of the... if, you think of them, if, if you think of them like tribes... Yes. You have your... your uh the Azir tribe and they're yes. you know 
the good guys, you know, our team, mm-hmm. we're with them. And then you have the uh, Yuttons, the Giants, who are our enemies, the bad guys. But, you know, right. they're just people. And just like people, there's going to be good and bad people within each tribe. Right, exactly. And sometimes it's hard to think of, like, uh, um, spiritual entities in that way. But you're right. I mean, the Yuttons as a tribe really want stagnation to be the thing that happens and that's bad so we have to fight against it but you have exceptions you know you've got scotty who's a giantess and she's an exception you've got gerd who married Frey, so now she would be another exception so yeah there's exceptions uh but sometimes that's just something that we have to remember Okay, so we have the idea that Thor is, uh, I've heard him called many times, the working man's god, or, you know, a god of the people. And he very much is, of all the gods, though a lot of times I hear people say that Odin is the one to call them the most, he's not the most common patron that I've run across. Um, I mean, Odin and and Bragi would be my two patrons, but that's just because I'm weird i'm i'm not a common person like other people are uh one of the most popular patrons that i've come across in just a large group of people that i've known is thor and historically he was an extremely common patron among kings i do think odin may have been a little more common and odin was more common in sweden odin was more popular in sweden and norway whereas thor was more popular in germany but Thor has always been a huge um, god who is definitely a friend to the people. So he's very approachable in that way. So really with Thor, you have the idea that he is a god of the people, or he's the working man god, or he's the blue-collar god, and other things like this, which is uh, to a large extent True, because he's got a lot of those traits. Strength, honesty, Thor is honest, and generally speaking, he's very straightforward. You know, like you would imagine an honest person being, if there's a reason, maybe he wouldn't be quite so straightforward. Um, But I feel like what happens a lot of times is people are like, oh, he's just a regular guy, he's a blue-collar god, and, you know, he's just this big this big funny kind of dumb guy who's bumbling around trying to do the right way because or trying to do the right thing because a lot of times there's this stereotype that hard-working people are dumb i don't really think that's true most of the time i don't think that like hard-working people and farming people are usually dumb i know that my grandpa was you know a blue-collar guy who ran a farm and was a little rough around the edges and fell into the, oh, he's just a dumb old guy, but he was actually quite clever, and he made these crazy inventions all the time, which which were actually really neat. So I think the stereotype's a little bit unfair, but I definitely think it's unfair that a lot of times I feel like people think Thor is this dumb guy, but he's good because he's trying to do the right thing. And I really don't think he's a dumb guy. I think he's actually were pretty intelligent and i think that it comes out in the stories you know most of the stories are just him going around and and fighting giants or something like that which in no way shows that he's dumb because he is able to gauge whether or not he's going to have a victory in this battle that he has and 
you know, he usually wins. But I mean, that that really is more a show of strength. But there is a particular story, and uh, I think it can be found in the Poetic Eddas. Uh, Lore pulled it up on Sacred Texts real quick for me, which I appreciate. And I, I will try to also put this in the show notes. But it's called The Ballad of Alvis. And basically what happens, and um, when I'm done explaining it, Lore, I'll let you fill in anything that's important that I missed. There's this dwarf that wants to marry Thor's daughter. And somehow, and I would like to know the backstory to this, because it sounds very—it sounds like it would be very interesting. But unfortunately, we don't have that. That's been lost, so... Oh, well. Um, when Thor was gone, somehow, for some reason, the gods uh, promised his daughter to this dwarf. And so this dwarf comes up, and he's like, Hey, I'm going to marry your daughter, blah, blah, blah. What about that, Thor? And then Thor, because this dwarf has been promised his daughter, you know, he can't just be like, no, you're not, and hit him in the face. Uh, That would not really be an honorable thing to do. That's not really an option. But what he does do is he starts asking this dwarf questions and, you know, just questioning him throughout the night. He's like, well, I really don't like this. Can I at least make sure that um, you know the ways of the world and you know the lore and stuff like that? So he just asks him all these different questions, if I'm remembering right. Um, Just everything you can think of. And it's a great way, it's a great story to read to get some of our own mythology, too. But he just goes on forever. And um, he asks these questions so long that finally the sun is rising, and the sun rises and turns the dwarf into stone. So that's basically what happened, and you have a situation there with Thor actually being very clever. So, Lord, did I miss anything on the story, and what do you think of it? Um, well, I don't believe you... I, I think you got the essence of the story, and what do I think of it? I think of it shows that uh, Thor definitely is not a dumb person. He has the ability to make a plan on his own to see through the end of what he needs. And what he needed was to get the dwarf out of the way so it doesn't marry his wife. Or his daughter, sorry. Daughter, right. Well, yeah, and I think that's kind of the point of the story, and I really like it because just so often you think he's a big dumb guy who can only count on his strength. But in this story, he's actually quite clever setting up this little um, plan where he can get rid of this dwarf so he doesn't marry his daughter. And, you know, certainly he's thinking of his daughter. I doubt his daughter would want to be married to some dwarf. And I would really like to see who it was that promised his daughter to a dwarf. I just... I mean, we don't know the timeline or anything like that. There's always been a little of a... of a uh, fight between him and Loki. So I... I'm just curious if he didn't have something to do with that. But I don't know. I'd really like to know the backstory behind this because it doesn't seem on the surface that it's okay for people or even necessarily possible for other gods to be promising Thor's daughter to a dwarf. So I would like to see how that unfolded and which god it was that actually made that promise. 
yeah, Unfortunately, we don't know. This? Hmm? Oh. I said, and where was Stephen in this? Yeah, that's a good question. Was she there or was she not at the meeting? I I don't know. I would really like to see the story that led up to this. Um, unfortunately, we don't have it, so all we can do is guess. And is it possible the dwarf was just lying so it could get away with it? I mean, it's not impossible. There's got to be a story behind it, but without the actual story, it's very hard to make sense of that. So all we can make sense of is the aftermath of what happened, where Thor finds out what happens, and then he somehow has to protect his daughter, but he uses his wits instead of his strength to, to do it. Which I think is saying what? something very important. Oh, go ahead. And another thing about the story is it it, it it outlines a bunch of kinnings, and that's probably why it was saved. Yes, it does. Uh, and so we can have it today because uh, the, each question is, is asked, uh, what are these things called in all worlds? And so yes. all these kinnings are used. So it, it, it's an interesting piece on it in its own right as for that as well. Yeah, I think so. There's a couple stories like this. I can't remember the other one, but this is a great example of a story where, though the story is important, the other really important, maybe even more important part of it is the fact that you have an example of, in this case, the Kennings. And you learn about a lot of pieces of the lore that aren't really pertinent to the story, but they're just questions that he's asking so, yeah, this is a really good story to read for that reason as well. Um, but I think I think it's important to point out that Thor, a god of uh, strength and, and honesty and straightforwardness and all this other stuff, is also quite clever. I think there's something being said that no one strength is going to be able to get you through every situation. And now I'm talking what Thor can tell us about ourselves sort of thing. You can't be really strong, and it's probably a good thing, and it it will help you, you know, 90% of the time. You can rely on that strength to get you through, or that dedication and uh, stubbornness and headfastness to get you through the situations. But there will always be a few situations where you need something additional. So it's important in your own life, I think, if strength is the thing that you're focusing on, to remember you will need other things as well. Because in this story here, Thor is protecting his family through his wits. Sometimes doing things through your wits is the best and maybe even only effective way to do it. So I think a lot about living a balanced life is implied um, especially in the story, but just in the character of Thor in general. It, it also shows that you don't have to be dishonest if you're trying to trick someone. Because Thor is yeah. very honest. He's very straightforward. He, he's he been in some scrapes where he has to play a part or do something different, but he's mm-hmm. always very straightforward and honest. And, well, all he did was ask questions. Yeah, it's he true. He didn't force anybody to do anything, so he was very honest with it. Yeah, and this gets into, um, this is probably the most gray area Thor ever gets into. I mean, normally he's just... He did dress up like a woman once. 
That's true. And, and well, actually, let's quickly tell that story, because we're talking about Thor. Certainly we can do more than one story about him. Um, sure, sure. In, in that story, and actually then we should talk about the Midgard Serpent and kind of pull some lessons out of that. So in the story where Thor okay. had to dress up as a, as, as a woman, um, long story short, the, the Jotun somehow got his axe, and he decide, and oh, and then they say that they'll only give the axe back if the gods let them marry Freya. So what happens is Thor dresses up in a dress and goes down to Jotunheim with Loki, and uh, they they talk to the giants and they're like, oh blah blah blah, this is Freya, and and they say a bunch of different um things in there. And the story itself is actually, um, oh, and this can also be found on Sacred Text, so I'll, I'll have to put that in the show notes as well. Um, and there's a part where, I mean, the story is humorous, and there's a part where, you know, the giants are like, oh, why does Thor, or why does Freya do this? And then Loki makes up an, ex, uh, an excuse for him. And those are sort of funny. But then at the end, what happens is they bring out the hammer because the hammer was actually used in the marriage ceremony anyway. And Thor, like, grabs it and smashes all the giants. So before I say some things about what I think of this story, Lord, did I miss some uh, important elements that need to be in there? I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to go into. But I, I think, again, you've done a basic, a, a decent job of outlining what happened. Okay. All right. Now, there's some things where we would first want to say, well, maybe Thor's doing and the giant or the uh, Asgardians in general is doing something immoral, right? Because we'd say, well, Thor's sort of lying because he's pretending to be Freya when he's not really. Uh, so doesn't that make him, like, a bad person who's violating everybody's autonomy? Now, to that, I would say, what Thor is doing is getting his hammer back. And the giants have already stolen his hammer, so they've broken his autonomy by stealing his hammer, which he did not give them permission to do. Well, he so, left it there. He went out drinking with them. He left his hammer there at the party when he went home. Is that what happened? Oh. Yeah. I was looking at the first part. So they were kind of keeping it hostage, and they were going to exchange it for Freya. So. Oh, yeah. but it's not their hammer. It's not their property. You can't just say, oh, dude, I found this. It's mine now. Still not hey, right. Finders keepers. Finders keepers is a terrible rule. <laughs> it's not really a rule at all. I mean... If I left my laptop at your house, you wouldn't just say finder's it's keeper. It's not yours now. now. It's my laptop. I, I just left it at your house. That seems right. a bit that seems a bit ridiculous to say that it's just yours now. I really think that the only moral things for the giants to do would be just to return the hammer because it's not theirs. It's not their property. Thor did not say, oh, you can have this now. So, okay, he left it there, and that was a mistake on his part, certainly. The gods aren't perfect. They do make mistakes. 
and leaving it there was a mistake. But they still should have given it back instead of re, uh, demanding this ridiculous sort of payment for it, which is way above and beyond what they should have demanded. I don't think they have any claim to the hammer, and thereby, when he asked for it back, they had the obligation to say, well, you can come get it. They don't have the obligation to return it, but they have the obligation to say, well, you can come and get it, and they didn't do that. They're like, no, it's just mine now, even though I didn't pay for it, and I didn't, you didn't agree to let, let me do that. So he's just doing the same thing they are. They've broken autonomy in that sense, and I think given up their rights, so now he has the opportunity to be morally justified in um, going there and taking it back. Furthermore, everything that happens with the... It's kind of funny what happens with the Giants. They seem to spend a lot of time with each other, even though they're at war. I mean, it's kind of weird, in a sense. The, the Asgard and the Giants have been at war forever, yet they still just, like, go out and drink with each other. Which, it's just a little bit weird. Uh, but I think an, another element of any dealings with giants is knowing that the two races are at war with, another, with one another. So keep that in mind as the, as the subtext of what's going on there. Uh, they are enemies of the gods, and in that, in that sense, it's not necessarily a bad thing to kill them, because you know, they're going to they're gonna kill the gods in the end of times anyway. Uh, but what I think is important in the story is he was, he was going there to um, get the hammer. Oh, wait. No, oh, this sorry, is a I was different distracted. story. This is a different story. Okay. Thor was going there to get the hammer because he had left it there, but they refused to give it back. And I think they had a moral obligation to at least let him come and get the hammer back. And I don't think it was justified that they make him give Freya as a bride to them. So he obviously thought that too. So he dressed up as a bride and went there and um, killed them all with hammer. And I mean, that's that's the story. That's what happens in the story. Um, so it shows that Thor is willing to be a little... In the first story, Thor was willing to be really clever. A touch deceptive too. But in this story, <clears throat> excuse me, we see another story where Thor is re really willing to be deceptive. You know, he's disguising himself as somebody else. He still thinks he's doing the right thing, and I think that he's doing the right thing in this situation. And it's definitely something good to argue about. But Thor does not only rely on his strength. In this situation, he's really not relying on his strength at all until he gets to Hammer, which is the last part of the story. He's relying on being a little um, a little bit deceptive. Actually, a lot of bit deceptive. So, Laura, what do you have to say on this story and my thoughts? Well... I say he's within every right to do what he did. Uh, he had to be deceptive because they were being deceptive and, and underhanded in, in their own way. And to win a battle, you have to fight back any way that you can. And just go charging in there without your weapon, your your sole source weapon, because that, that's all he had. I mean, yeah. he's strong enough on his own, but with his hammer, he is much, much mightier. He right. may have lost. And the hammer and himself would have been lost. So he had to do what he had to do. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And that's anyway. my thought. Well, yeah, and that's what I think. So I think this is... I guess the whole point of this particular podcast is show that Thor is a three-dimensional character. Um, or is it two-dimensional character? I don't know. The point is, I don't know what the proper word is. I'm sorry. So often Thor comes across very one-dimensional as he's this guy with a hammer and he goes around killing giants because he's really strong. And that's all there is to Thor. But that's not the case. You know, Thor uses other things. He uses cleverness. He uses... um. He uses the hammer in this situation. He's willing to be, or I mean, he uses deception in this little situation. He's not doing things that are immoral, I don't think, for the reasons I just said, but he's willing to use other tactics if it's necessary, which in this case, you know, are, it, it was necessary. So um, I guess that's on this one. Then the next one, and I'll try to put this in the show notes as well, I'm I'm going to I'm probably going to forget to do all of this, but you know I'll try my best not to. I'll <laughs> and this one's not on sick. Well, I'm sure it's on sacred text, but I didn't find it easily, so I had to locate it elsewhere. Ah, uh, yes, Thor fishing for for Jormungand. Anyway, it's which I the believe serpent. is the Midgard serpent. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, now I'm going to do this from memory because the thing is kind of long. So, Lore, you may have to fill in some details. Basically, Thor goes down to meet some giants. Anyway, what happens is uh, <clears throat> the giant there is like, oh, we should go fishing. And Thor, or this is the pertinent part of the story. And Thor's like, yeah, we sure should. So the giant, like, um, I can't remember. The giant like takes the takes a cow or something to use as bait, and then Thor takes like the giant bull that's in the pen and uses him as bait. So they go fishing, and the giant catches a whale or something like that, and then Thor with his giant bull bait throws it in the water, and he ends up catching the midgard serpent and he's like pulling and fighting and it's just like this epic struggle between the two and it's like the boat's gonna turn over and he's pulling up that he's actually wrestled the midgard serpent to the surface and he's like pulling him up and he's gonna hit him in the head with his hammer and at that point in time the giant gets scared and cuts the line so the serpent gets away obviously the midgard serpent is still out there it's got a lot to do with um Ragnarok and other things later so it's still out there but the point is this is truly the the more classic um, Thor story where it's just absolutely a tale of um, strength and just pure determination and strength to actually wrestle the Midgard Serpent to the head of the water and you know my belief and understanding of the story is if the giant didn't interfere, Thor really could have killed the Midgard Serpent at that point in time. But um, the giant didn't want that to happen because he was um, getting really scared that the boat was going to capsize and they're going to sink to the bottom of the sea. So uh, did I mention any, or did I miss anything rather on that one lore? Well, he threw the giant overboard after the line being cut. 
So oh, he, was, he did, didn't he? Because he was super I, mad. Yeah, so I guess he's left there drowning anyway. Yeah. Other than that, I it's it's a decent rendition. I would still suggest reading the story. Actually, my favorite version of it is called Thor Goes a Fishing. Yes. Which, uh, if you type into Google, you'll probably find it, but I have it in a book. It's it's The title itself sold me on it, so that's why I wanted yeah. to have this story in here as well. That is a funny title for it. Uh, and that is actually a really good version of it, too. Um, I don't remember the name of the book off the top of my head, but that is a good story and a lot of stuff a lot of other stuff happens where you know they go back to the giant's house and a bunch of stuff happens and they end up leaving and thor kills a bunch of other giants before they leave so it's a good story to read the whole way through actually any of these stories are good to read the whole way through thor goes a fishing i or i mean thor fishing for jormungang <laughs> I am taking out a relatively small point of the uh, part of the story to demonstrate my point here. So you really read, need to read that one all the way through on your own, which maybe you have. Hopefully you have, uh, but if you haven't, you should. Uh, so this one is is again kind of giving this three dimension or the three dimensional view of Thor. This is one where really he is absolutely showing his strength and his great. Um, prowess and and battle later in the story when he kills like a whole bunch of giants who are who are chasing him. Um, but it really just shows that you know he is strong. We have these other two stories where we're showing like, look, it's not just all about oh he's really strong. Um, he can be clever or deceptive when he needs to be. But this is just kind of to say, but he really is really strong. That that really is an important part of him as well. And I think, you know, Thor is often called the everyman's god or things along that. And really a lot of people were drawn to him and did have him as a patron. I think a big reason that was probably the case is because he is, I think, actually a pretty balanced individual. He's not just strong. He's not just clever. He's not just deceptive. And obviously just deceptive would would probably be the worst of those three. Um, right. But he's very balanced. You know, he's he's got all different qualities. Because I think all of us, have, as people, have different qualities. And that's a good thing. Sure, it's fine to specialize in something and say, well, I'm going to focus most on my wisdom and that's going to be my my prime thing. But I think as these Thor stories say, every situation requires a different skill and you really need to be a balanced individual who raises or who um who develops all of those skills um within yourself so yeah lord did you have more to say on that i actually don't sorry oh no 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 reason to be sorry uh let's see what else we have a little bit of time left but we are coming up on the end I want to see if there's anything else that I want to talk about. Thor, I think I've really got most of most of what I want to say is that Thor, my take-home point is just the idea that Thor is a, um, a balanced individual. He doesn't do just one thing. But I also want it to be a take-home point that we should emulate that part of Thor. 
and um, be balanced individuals ourselves. Uh, what is that? There's a saying. It, it's not an Austrian saying at all. I think it's like... I think it's... Specializations um, for insects? <laughs> what? Specialization is for insects? Oh, well, actually, that would be a good saying. Uh, which also uh, gets this across. No, it's like... Um, oh, just just the whole thing that you hear a lot of times is is the idea that you have to train the mind to train the body, and conversely, you have to train the body to train the mind. I I think that very often we get into the thought that you don't have to do that; that you can just focus on one thing and then you'll be really good at that one thing. But I think uh, let's just go with train the body to train the mind sort of idea if you're like <clears throat> really unhealthy and I don't know you eat pizza every day for like lunch and dinner and you have a bunch of bacon for breakfast and you sit at your computer all day writing that's great and trying to figure things out but at some point in time I feel like without the proper nutrition you're really not going to be able to make the insights that you should be making. And even on the most simple level that's in no way controversial is if you're, let's just say, super unhealthy, morbidly obese maybe, or maybe you just like don't take care of yourself, so you're sick all the time, whatever, you cannot focus on making your mind better. You can't focus on unraveling the secrets of the universe if you're sick. You know, if you're bedridden, or if you're in horrible pain because you're ridiculously sick, you're not going to be able to unravel the secrets of the universe. So it's, not only is it necessary to live a balanced life, I think that to be an absolute expert in any one field requires that you are at least capable in the other fields. Um, do you agree with that, or is this just me? Well, you. Well, there's a lot of things to be said about exercise and eating healthy, being good for the mind, because it is. Uh, if you're depressed, it helps a lot to get some exercise in, and obviously getting, getting the correct nutrition also helps in that. So I suppose I agree then because, yeah, yeah, you need to a good body to have a healthy mind. Well, healthy body to have a healthy mind. Uh, the vice versa thing, I'm not sure about. To, if you had a healthy mind, you might automatically have a healthy body because you'd be thinking about what you need to put into it. But uh, so maybe. Yeah. But that's that's all I have. All right. All right. Yeah, I just think that a, um, a major thing that's important to remember is the idea of balance. And I think Thor captures that a lot more people than, or a, a lot more, I think Thor captures that a lot more than people give him credit for. Uh, so I think we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up, just um, giving our final thoughts and stuff like that. So, Lore, what are your final thoughts on Thor in general? Well, number one, those Marvel movies do not do him justice. <laughs> That's true. I'm just going to say that. 
Don't get me wrong. I think they're entertaining enough, but uh, don't get your mythology from a comic book or a movie. I actually have to go to the tech because they do still make him out to be kind of an aggressive meathead where he really isn't. And uh, so, yeah, take time, read the lore, get to know the gods, uh, get to know Thor because we're talking about Thor right now, and see that they are fleshed out more so than a lot of times we give them credit for. We have like an idea of them sometimes. And that idea is not them. That is just a dim reflection of what they have to offer. So again, consult the lore. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll agree with that. And stress again, don't, don't get your lore from a movie. Because just go to the original source. It's much better and much more accurate. But yeah, I guess my final thought is just the idea that Thor is a three-dimensional character. And, and I'm sure the reason he was such a meathead in the movie is a lot of times that's what we think of when we think of Thor. Or at least that's what a lot of people think of when they think of Thor. And it's not true. He's a he's he's an individual with many different aspects you know if it's cleverness or using deception when that's appropriate or intelligence all of those things are important being strong is also important i'm not underplaying that and he is strong but i think that thor can show us that we need to live a balanced life where we are good at many things and um Oh, Heinlein had a quote about that, and I know, Laura, you're a huge Heinlein fan, but it's something to the extent of you should be able to uh, change a baby, kill a bad man, love a good woman, and it's just like a whole list of different things that you should be able to do, saying that you really need to be balanced, and you need to have a multiple skill set that you can draw from. Because and that's where I got specialization is for insects, because that's the end topper to that quote. Oh, is it really? Oh, perfect. Yes. Oh, then much much more appropriate than even I was thinking. Yeah, I was more in line with that than I was even thinking originally. But it's it's absolutely true. Because, you know, in this situation, Thor could not have killed the mid or could not have wrestled the Midgard serpent to the top of the water with cleverness. But he couldn't have stopped his daughter from being married to a dwarf with um, brute strength. So my takeaway is live a balanced life and remember that Thor is a three-dimensional god and he is living a balanced life. And also apply this to the other gods. If you think the other gods are one-dimensional, start really looking into the lore and start trying to have a connection and relationship with those gods because they are rarely one-dimensional entities. We may only know one dimension or we may only focus on one dimension. But each of these gods, you know, they are individuals and they have multiple dimensions and they're complex entities, which we should take some time to get to know. So that's my final thought. And I guess I'll go ahead and wrap up by saying if you enjoy listening to the podcast, that is great. I do suggest everyone download it with RSS just because it's easier to receive that way. And, you know, you can plug that into whatever podcast player you listen to um if you wanted to visit the website go to www. 
uh, hugenhoff.org. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, so I'll mention now that Northern Runes Radio is still putting out some great podcasts. Um, I think they just put out Othilla or maybe Dagus. I think I listened to Dagus and they put out Othilla. They're doing a podcast on the runes where they give an entire podcast to every single rune. And it is a great one to listen to if you're interested in the rune. And they can be found at northernrunesradio.com. They can be found in the Android Play Store under the same name. Um, they're on Facebook and Twitter and all that other stuff. So if you're interested in in finding more podcasts about Austria, I would go to them, and they are linked from my homepage. And finally, I got a couple pieces of feedback in the last few months, and I, I'm always excited to get feedback. I just like to know that people are listening and... Um, what they might be interested in, and sometimes they can offer some advice that's actually really helpful. Both of the people offered helpful advice who I got feedback from. And also, when you're feeding feedback, if you want us to talk about something, um, we kind of wrapped up that Have a Moss thing a little while ago. So if you want us to discuss a topic, it's a moral question, it's a lore question, it's a whatever, send me some feedback, and, you know, we very well may use that as a series. So that can be sent to hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. And I think I've rambled long enough, so I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. And, Lord, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Fra hail. Fra hail. <laughs>